My kindergarten teacher walked into the girl's restroom and gasped. The gerbil's cage was sitting on one of the sinks. The faucet in front of me was turned fully on and there was water splashed on every wall all over me and it had created little shiny puddles on the floor. How was I going to explain this? You've entered into the world of alternate realities. Here, paradigms are shifted, minds are blown, and veils are lifted. Actual supernatural experiences are brought to life through storytelling by the people who experience them. Welcome to Adventures in Mysticism with Leah Grant, where the esoteric is explored and consciousness is expanded. Visit adventuresinmysticism.com to further your spiritual development through Leia's latest offerings. And now we continue with this episode's mystical adventure. A question I often get asked is, when did you know that you were different? It's a great question because as children, we are very self-focused and we believe that our experience is everyone else's experience. It isn't until something happens within us that no one else seems to understand that we have the realization that we're unique. My first memory of this was at three years old. From birth and perhaps even from conception, I had seven guides with me. I assumed everyone did. If they had names, I didn't know them. Our communication was telepathic, though I could see several of them as they communicated with me. One resembled an older man. He wore layered robes that were sheer cloth and and this textured weave. While he could be described as an older man, he was not completely human, more humanoid. Another was a raven-haired woman who actually looked much like I did in my 30s. She wore these beautiful flowy dresses that always looked as though there was a breeze blowing the fabric and through her long tresses. She had a goddess feel to her. Another guide was a two-headed animal of some sort, very large, with a body that was a cross between a lion and a wolf. And the heads were more like German shepherd. When I say very large, I mean, this animal was the size of a three-story building. His demeanor though was cautiously protective and pretty loving. Another one of my guides, I believe was a fairy. She was the smallest of all of them and could fly. She reminded me of Tinkerbell from the Disney movies because she was a bit mischievous and very playful. Her light, airy clothing was a mix of all different kinds of green colors. Her skin was a golden color and it sparkled. Another one of my guides was not visible or ever seen in a form, 
but was an energy that conveyed information to me. This being had no gender or distinguishing labels, yet it felt highly intelligent. It taught me many practical things about how the universe, the cosmos, and consciousness worked during the time that it was with me. Another was a very small being, quiet and magical, a bit plump, but not fat, not young, but not old. It had this ageless sense about it. And he also had the ability to shrink and then grow. Although the largest he ever got was about the same size I was at, you know, age three or four. It liked it when I read children's books and would sit on my shoulder while I read. It would also join when I played the other children. I would see it following behind a friend in hopscotch or hitching a ride on the back of my sister's bike. I think it might've been a gnome of some sort. The final guide was around, but did not interact with me or the other guides very much. He's hard to describe because he had some characteristics of a human, such as a face, yet his body was so different from a human's that I wouldn't say he was a humanoid. He was muscular and built in a way like a dinosaur, but not so round as one. He had a tail that extended out to balance him. He had legs. And he had these beefy muscular arms, but he didn't have elbows. His skin was a ruddy clay color and the texture was rough like leather. He stayed mostly on the outskirts of my field. He felt like he was protecting me. With these guides, I would receive an instant answer to any question I asked even when I didn't understand what I was actually asking about. And that brings me back to my first memory. It was Easter morning and I was three years old. I was hunting for the eggs my mom had hid and finding them quite easily with the help of my gnome-like companion. My dad was sitting on a chair and yawning. I ran over excited to show him what I found inside one of my eggs and asked in my head why daddy was so tired since it was morning. I was told it was because he was the Easter bunny. I proceeded to crawl into my dad's lap and soothe him by saying, it's okay if you want to go back to sleep, daddy. I know you are the Easter bunny. Hilariously, he had no idea how to respond and yelled for my mom to come handle what I'd said. Marty, Marty, get in here right now. My mom was gentle and quizzed me on how I knew that dad was the Easter bunny. When she found out, she made me swear I wouldn't tell the other children. I never did. Later that same year, toward the end of the summer, our family was at a neighborhood gathering, and I got a vision of one of my friend's dads going over to the other friend's mom's house and getting in her bed. I asked my guides why he was doing that. 
I heard because they were having an affair. I didn't know what an affair was. And since I was standing next to my mom at a neighborhood picnic where all the parties were present, I asked her innocently, mom, what's an affair? She was actually used to me asking more adult questions than the average child. So she easily answered, it's adults behaving badly. Of course, I asked the next obvious question of why one of my friend's dads and my other friend's mom were being bad together. My mom stood up quickly and drugged me into the house. And again, she quizzed me about how I knew that. I told her my guides, and she told me that from now on, they would no longer be called my guides, but we would refer to them as my imaginary friends and that I was never to talk about anything they told me with anyone else. Now, I was a good child who listened to my mom, so I began to keep my relationship and the knowledge I gleaned from my guides to myself until much later in life. Now, before you get upset with my mom, I know she was only trying to protect me. I was actually blessed with her being a stay-at-home mom who was very creative and very imaginative and didn't shut down the idea that guides existed. I will say having to view them as imaginary friends was somewhat confusing to me because to me, they were in no way imaginary. In fact, they felt more real and I felt more connected to them than I did most of my human friends. Even though I had an amazing big friend group in the neighborhood and I did lots of normal kid stuff, riding bikes, playing Barbies, making sandcastles. Yet still, I couldn't share with my flesh and blood friends the things that I discussed and explored with my guides. Maybe some of you can relate. I even recall mentioning to a few of the kids about whether or not they had these types of friends, and they just shrugged it off as if they didn't even get what I was talking about. My guides confirmed that these kids had no experience like mine. So I had my physical world experience as a child, and then I had this etheric world experience. And in the next story, I'm going to tell you about my guides, which I call the water incident. The two of these get to mix. Now of all the times that my guides were with me, this was the only time I recall them interacting in the physical. Let's go to my kindergarten classroom. It was on the first floor of a large brick building that housed the entire private school. Although I don't recall the kindergartners interacting with any of the other grades. Our classroom was a large room divided into a few sections. There was the desk section, there was a section with long tables and chairs where we would do science type projects and art. Then there was a section made up of several bookcases and a rug. The class gerbil sat on top of one of these bookcases. Kindergarten was boring for me. 
mainly because I already knew how to do everything they were teaching us. My mom had taught me numbers and words and addition and subtraction. And my guides had gifted me with reading. Now, this is a big deal because I'm dyslexic. And I'm pretty sure that without their assistance, I would not have been able to learn to read the way that school teaches us to. So I'm very grateful for that. But as a result, I got in trouble constantly, constantly for excessive talking. Finally, the teacher figured out she just needed to keep me busy doing other things. It became my job to put away the books after reading time. That really didn't take much time. And I preferred to sit on the fuzzy rug to sitting at my desk. So sometimes I would alphabetize the books. Other times I would organize them from tallest to shortest. And I even recall I sorted them from fattest to thinnest once. I was also given the task of gerbil care. Every day during math time, I would feed the gerbil and give it fresh water. Then on Fridays, I cleaned the gerbil cage. Cleaning the cage meant the teacher carried the cage into the bathroom, and then I would empty out the shavings and the poops, wipe down the bottom of the cage with wet paper towels, and put fresh shavings in. I would then go back to class, tell the teacher I was done, and she'd bring the cage back into the classroom. The water incident Friday began like any other. The teacher brought the cage into the bathroom and left. As soon as the door shut, the faucet came on full blast and my guides appeared. I could see them floating about midway up the bathroom walls. There was this playful buzz of energy in the air. And suddenly I got hit with water as if I'd been hit with a water balloon. Only there was no balloon, only water. I understood they wanted to play. So I stuck my hand under the running water and threw some in their direction. What ensued was a full on water fight. Water was flying around the bathroom. I was giggling and having a great time. And so were they. It was so fun to be having this experience with my guides in the physical, since all of our other interactions had been telepathic communication. I kept putting my hands in the faucet, cupping them to fling as much water as I could each time. And as I did, I kept getting hit with more water. I was close to soaking wet when my teacher walked in. I froze. My guides disappeared. The wide-eyed look of horror on my teacher's face let me instantly know that I was in big, big trouble. I had no idea how I was going to explain what had just happened. Since I couldn't think of anything else fast enough, I opted for the truth. Telling her I was having a water fight with my imaginary friends made her throw her hands up in the air and walk out of the bathroom. She returned a moment later with a big roll of brown paper towels and told me to clean up the water. My guides didn't return to help for this part. 
And interestingly, I don't remember being grounded or anything for that. At the time, the water incident was a fun evolution of my relationship with my guides. With my current wisdom, though, I realized they were showing me that they could interact with this dimension if they wished to. I have many more stories of things my guides told me, taught me, and encouraged me to explore over the years when they were with me. And then when I was 14 years old, they told me to stop eating red meat and pork, which I did. And I've never seen or communicated with any of them again. Thank you for listening to today's episode. In the next episode, I'll share my adventures with spontaneous healing. Until then, remember that your spiritual journey is a supernatural adventure in and of itself. Enjoy the unfolding and embrace the unknown. Thank you for joining today's Adventures in Mysticism with Leah Grant. To go on more journeys with Leah, subscribe now. To step more fully into your spiritual role of bringing about a positive high-frequency future for humanity, visit adventuresinmysticism.com.